Hey, it's Melvin, one of your friendly neighborhood podcast hosts. Whether it's your first time tuning in or you're a longtime listener, consider leaving a review on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever. Reviews are the lifeblood of the podcast world, so if you want to help us out, it'll take only a moment of your time. Otherwise, we hope you enjoy the show. Hi, my name is Melvin, and it do be spooky sometimes. Welcome to Cinematic Doctrine, a Christian podcast service that seeks to encourage and equip Christians to engage and reform the culture of cinema. In this episode, I'm joined by Logan Sharp of the Reform Gamers podcast, and we're talking about Yan Sang Ho's Train to Busan. Logan has previously joined us here at the Cinematic Doctrine podcast to talk about everybody's favorite video game movie, Super Mario Bros. You know, the one that's like legendary, something something crazy about that. Which, by the way, was just an amazing experience to watch and then talk about. And while we had an absolute grand time recollecting the bizarre experience of watching such an absolute train wreck of a film, Logan and I are excited to talk about another film that's a different kind of train wreck. You know, the kind that isn't bad, because there's literal trains and wreckage in it. See what I did there? Puns? You get it? It's a pun. Yeah. So what is Train to Busan? It's a South Korean zombie flick that has landed itself squarely in Logan's favorite horror films to date, and with the way he speaks about the movie, you'd be hard-pressed to think it was anything other than an absolute favorite of his in general. With that in mind, our initial non-spoiler discussion is filled with some truly great nuggets of value as we think about the zombie genre's ability to recontextualize disaster, and how sometimes we ignore disaster unless it's brought to our doorstep. Then we dive into our non-spoiler trivia section. And we share the extreme level of popularity and success Train to Busan saw, not only in its home continent, but also here in the States, as its exposure grew over the course of a few years. And lastly, as we dive headfirst into our spoiler section, Logan and I talk about Matthew 6, and how people bear fruit based upon where they lay their treasures. Are their treasures collected and cherished on earth, or are they looking beyond the horizon of mortality on the promise of God's goodness and the new earth? For the treasures we set our eyes upon, those treasures we worship. You'd be surprised how great Train to Busan expresses this reality through two pivotal characters. Without further ado, here's our discussion on Train to Busan. So, Logan, I feel like we have to apologize at the start of this episode and just say we are going to get everybody's names wrong. Oh, absolutely. 100%. <laughs> there is just no way that we are going to pronounce these right. I mean, the only name, apart from saying the director is actor is all that stuff. I wrote down Suk Woo, which is the character in the film, the lead character. And I was like, man, I just, I don't know which one's the first or last name. Because depending on what publication you go to, they always, one of them respects them by doing last name first, first name last. Yeah, and then other ones are like, "We're writing to the Americans, switch it." So yeah, we are sorry, South Korea. We are sorry. We're just—it's it, our dumb American brains. We can't read correctly. I mean, it's—it's <laughs> exactly. it's my mantra on my show, man. Words are hard. We just—we try yes. our best. Give us some <laughs> grace. We—we we try. We try at least. Please persevere through the through this episode. We feel like we've prepared some really good stuff. So, uh, with that said, Logan, tell us about your show, The Reform Gamers. That's where you're coming over. But but what is The Reform Gamers? We can get some context clues, but maybe we don't know what the word reformed or gamers or the even means. So why don't you give us some details? I mean, to quote Dracula from Castlevania, what, what, no, wait, he says, what is man? Well, I would change it up and say, <laughs> yeah. say, say, what, what are words? Miserable pile of letters. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> 
Oh man, I, just, I feel like I had to throw a Halloween reference in there. But yeah, my name is Logan. I am the host of the Reform Gamers, the show all about theology and video games. We've been around for a little, man, almost six years now. That I think about Congrats. it, we're coming up on our anniversary. Thank you for that. And we're a podcast that I think if you were to see us on Twitter or wherever it is, and you would see our logo that has a deer with headphones on, you would think that we're a show that has something to do with hunting and game and all that. But that's not. <laughs> That's not the kind of game that we talk about on the show. We talk about video games. Uh, we believe that Christians can play video games to the glory of God. We don't agree with a lot of the articles that say video games are for children. And, you know, if you're over the age of 20 or something like that, you should get rid of video games. We think you can play video games to the glory of God. And so we like to have discussions based around that topic, how you can glorify uh, your gameplay and also uh, just dive deep into specific video games because we believe that. Everything has a worldview, and that includes video games. And so we like to pick those games apart, see how they align with the Christian worldview and how they don't, and just have some fun conversations based around that. And so if that's something that piques your interest, uh, you can always go over to the reformgamers.com to check that out. Yeah, and I really like how you will have Christians in other gaming fields come onto your show. So you had like Pastor Deustin from Twitch, who mm -hmm. does a lot of, uh, he, he did a lot of Doom stuff, didn't he? It's, and he would always, he would always title his stuff, Pastor Kills Demons, more at 11 or something. Yes. It's just like, ah, I gotta Love watch it. that Twitch stream. That sounds great. It's easily one of the best ones on Twitch. But yeah, we've had him on, we've had Shadeless on, uh, we've had, gosh, we've just done so many episodes. We had a, a professor from Midwestern Baptist Seminary on there as well to talk about The Last of Us Part Two. So we try to we try to get some cool people on. That's awesome. And I feel like, wait a minute, we've had you on before. We talked about the Resident Evil movies, didn't we? Y yes. <laughs> I know that's probably not something to brag about because we were like we're saying we watched the Resident Evil movies and then we talked about them. But oh we my did goodness, it. I yeah we that is off of our bucket list. <laughs> yes, before sanctification would have taken it off for us. <laughs> <laughs> so, oh man that was a good time though i really enjoyed it i was glad to do it but uh, it was yeah so glad you're on the show today i think it's going to be a good time listeners this is a this is a movie train to be sand that i have been sleeping on and i sort of just decided i probably won't watch it unless we cover it on the podcast so you can thank logan that we're doing it and not only that we're doing it that he got me to watch it because I'm going to just thank Logan. Thank you. Thank you for getting me to watch this movie. You're welcome. Um, I don't want to get ahead of myself and say I loved it and this all that crazy stuff. But I just feel like, man, I this was such a good time. So, yeah, the movie we are talking about today is Train to Busan. It is a South Korean zombie movie. It is uh, very cool. It's directed by Yeon Sang-ho, who also directed an anime feature called Soul Station. He directed Peninsula and another anime feature called The King of Pigs. Writers Yeong Sang-ho and Park Joo-suk. Um, it's featuring Gong Yu, who is from The Age of Shadows, Ma Dang-suk, The Good, The Bad, and The Weird, which is a really really good movie i don't know if anybody's seen that but it's great um it's basically just a south korean western and it also features a train and it is just such a good satire it is great absolutely great he's also recently casted in the upcoming marvel's eternal so that's something to look forward to he also got jung yu mi who has worked with yon sang ho before on psychokinesis and some people might recognize this name. <laughs> I hope you guys recognize this name, but uh, Choi <laughs> Wushik, uh, who is in Parasite and Okja, which are both Bong Joon-ho movies. 
Parasite. I feel like that's something that that was a big deal last year, but you guys are going to have to refresh me on that one. I, I don't remember Parasite. Um, <laughs> but yeah, there's many more actors, but we should, we just need to get started. Um, so our synopsis here for Train to Busan, martial law is declared when a mysterious viral outbreak pushes Korea into a state of emergency. Those on an express train to Busan, which include a fund manager, his daughter, a young husband and pregnant wife, a homeless man, a youth baseball team, elderly sisters, and a rich man, hope to arrive at a city that is said to have successfully fended off the zombie pandemic. Although speeding down the Korean train line, our characters may find that their chances of survival are just as slim as those on foot. So Logan, what are we looking at for the MPAA rating? Yeah, so the MPAA rating for Train to Busan is rated TVMA. There's no certificate, so here's a custom certificate uh, for the show. Strong, bloody violence and intense sequences throughout disturbing images and language. I mean, it is a zombie movie after all. (laughs) Thus, the strong, bloody violence includes flesh-hungry, infected, or dead humans, baseball bat violence against walking corpses, visible bite wounds, and other such biting action. Uh, It's coupled with violence, and there's scenes of like public... uh, mania uh, hysteria people just really kind of losing their minds that are pretty traumatizing and considering it's 2020 a little surreal considering <laughs> <Yes>. the, <laughs> this current cultural climate what do you mean logan what what are you talking about i mean have, have you seen people <laughs> flipping out because they can't get their xboxes pre-ordered oh man <laughs> But no, so it transcends kind of the typical thriller excitement into a dreadful horror. It's, it's can be some kind of nightmarish uh, imagery. So if that bothers you, it's definitely something to be aware of. And although this film is in Korean, some translations include language in uh, the subtitles as well. Uh, And then of course, disturbing sequences and moral ambiguity. There's a lot of moral uh, qualms and things going on. So it's, it's a pretty intense ride. It's about as intense as the actual train ride in the movie. Yeah, and so our call to action, everybody's favorite thing with content creators, here we go again. If you really enjoy Cinematic Doctrine, you can always leave a review on iTunes or Podchaser. Wherever you listen is all cool. You can also check out our social media, our Facebook page, which is finally active again, because uh, I just took a break from social media and realized I'd never put somebody in place. But yeah, you can check out our Facebook page. We also got a Facebook group, which is our most active section. Basically, you can just join other Christians who like movies and chat about news and updates. I think, what was the thing that literally just broke when, uh, right? I think yesterday, so we're recording on Friday, October 2nd, but yesterday was something about electro is coming back to spider-man and it's the same actor i don't know a lot of people were talking about that it's it's weird it's so on brand for 2020 man it's so on brand for 2020 (laughs) you just can't predict anything all you can predict is that you can't predict it exactly Um, you can also check out our our cinematic doctrine twitter which is pretty great and our instagram as well Cinematic Doctrine also has other shows under its banner on the same feed, so you don't have to go anywhere. we got monthly movie news and trailer talk. Our monthly movie news is basically any movie news from the month. It's very self-explanatory that we feel like covering, and sometimes we have interviews on there. In fact, one of our best episodes, and actually you can pretty much listen to it at any time uh, this year, was about will movie th- what are movie theaters doing during this COVID pandemic, and we had an interview with a local uh a local theater to to hear about how they're handling things, which is probably the same across the board. And then also just talked about the codependence with blockbusters, stuff like that. It was really great. And then we have trailer talk, which is just whatever trailers drop that month. That's what we're talking about. Love doing that. I think it's probably our easiest show to not just produce, but listen to, because it's just a good time. We just speculate on what's going to happen. And sometimes we get the, we get things just right. We covered invisible man last year. And I was like, I think this is going to be a movie about gaslighting. 
And then the movie was about gaslighting. So really good time. <laughs> um, you can also check out our website, cinematicdoctrine.com. You get a lot of written content there. Like we just talked about trailer talk and how we cover stuff. Well, we put up trailer talk written articles about a day or two after a trailer comes out. The episode comes up at the end of the month. So if you just want to hear quick thoughts immediately, you can always go there. And as always, if you really love the show, you can always support us on Patreon for at least $3. And if you do $3, you get access to exclusive voting privileges on new episodes, on upcoming episodes, basically get to decide what we watch in the show. And then you also get access to an extra show called The Pre-Show, which is just a free-form discussion on movies, Christianity, all kinds of life discussions. Um, you get access to all of those episodes. So the further down the road we keep producing the show, the more content you get when you just pay $3. It's great. So yeah, that concludes the call to action. You guys are probably tired of that stuff all the time. You just want to hear what we think about Train to Busan. So why don't we get started with uh, Logan? Logan, tell us your general thoughts. No spoilers. What are your thoughts on Train to Busan? So this is possibly one of my favorite horror movies, which is why I picked it. And plus I figured, hey, I put you through the trouble of watching three or four <laughs> Resident Evil movies. Why not make you watch a really good zombie movie? I'll defend you there because I think we both came up with the idea and then we both said that's a great idea. So it's my fault too. So There we go. <laughs> great minds think alike. But oh, yeah. I think this movie gets so many things right just from a technical perspective, like the shots and the music, like mm -hmm. the way that everything is structured is spot on. If they want you to feel dread, you're going to feel it. Oh yeah. If you, if they want you to feel anxious, you're going to feel it. It's when I was, I was watching this again and just kind of watching the, the way that everything is laid out leading up to kind of when things start going down, it's structured in such a way that it is, it's, it's perfect. In, in so many ways, in my opinion, at least the, the zombies are probably my least favorite zombies, but they're also my favorite kind of zombies because they just scare you beyond all belief. Oh, yeah. And, and it also helps or doesn't help that they run. And so I think, we can, <laughs> I think we can all agree that running zombies are easily the worst thing ever created. Uh, I think I first yeah. saw those in 28 days later. and was like, nah, dude, nah, I don't need that in my life. You you do like a quick flash through of all the cardio training you've done, and you're like, yeah, I don't, I don't survive. <laughs> no, I don't. I I wouldn't. I would. I would just stand there and be like, game over, man. Just make it quick, I guess. <laughs> but, oh yeah. But it's really good, and just it, it, what's interesting about this is that normally when you watch a zombie movie, they feel like they have to kind of shoehorn in a story to get you related, or not related, but kind of caring for the characters and. Sometimes that's done in a decent fashion, but I don't think it's ever done in an excellent way. Whereas in this movie, like the characters that you care for, you genuinely care for. Mm -hmm. And it's it's like you want to see them succeed. You want them to get to safety. And then there's other characters that you just flat out hate and you just you don't really care what happens to them because <laughs> they don't seem to care about other people either. So one of those things where it's like do unto others what you want done to yourself. Well, this guy doesn't really care if. If other people, you know, die, then, well, he's he can have that in return, I guess. That's what I want for <laughs> yes. him. May not be the most Christian thing I'll say on this podcast, but it's just, the. I, I'm always hesitant to say a piece of art is perfect, but I feel like this movie is perfect. And I, and that might be setting the bar a little too high for, for this episode, 
but man, I, I really, really enjoy this movie. It's why I picked it. Uh, when you asked me to come on the show, it's, I cannot get enough of this movie and watching it again in prep for this episode. I was like, this is just as good as I remember when I first watched it. And it's even better the second time around. Oh, wow. That's awesome. So I, yeah, I needless to say, I love this movie. Yeah, I mean, I I loved it too. I that was like my first thought, just sort of like as it's progressing forward, I'm like, I I think this is great. I think this is doing it's everything so right. And every time like there was always like a hiccup, I was like, either I'm gonna get a resolution to this, or it's gonna be explained, or it's just like the minor things that just <laughs> are in this age has where just not everything's going to be perfect, that kind of thing. Cause like, I, I love the music in this movie, but every now and then it was leveled weird and it would be like super quiet. And it didn't sound like it was music leveled to the scene. It just sounded like music. They just turned down at editing, but then mm -hmm. like, what do I, what do I care about that? The drama that's unfolding is really what I should be focusing on. And there would just be these, great lines of dialogue and these relationships that you just wanted to see develop, even though, you know, it's probably, I mean, I think this film only spans like 12 to like 15 hours. Um, mm -hmm. So like you, you're watching these people go from knowing nothing about each other to willing to die for each other. And it's totally convincing. So I, I thought that was great. I, you know, I just mentioned the music, but like for the most part, I really loved it. I think the best parts of the music were when it was dramatic as opposed to its more action counterparts. Um, the action-y counterparts just made me think of trailer music, but when it was going for like the drama of, of just like a, like I'll, I'll say like a sad piano or something like that. I was like, Oh man, I'm going to cry. It's going to yeah. happen. And it was just like, it was just such a good use of the tools that the movie could use. I just, I thought it was great. I loved how it set itself up in a very haunting manner. One of my favorite things about zombie stories, which most zombie stories seem to skip over is like the, the beginning of the infection. I don't need to know how it starts. Like, I don't need to know like, Oh, somebody dropped a vial with a device in it <laughs> or, or a poison in it. And it makes zombies. I don't need to know that, but I really like the, the normal people just going about life and there's like an accident happening and everyone just suspects Oh, it's just a fire. But then the reality yeah. is, is, as as viewers, we know it's a zombie started a fire or something. And I find that really haunting no matter how many movies I watch or games I play. And I think it's because there's it kind of puts to perspective, like, we kind of just accept tragedy and just discard it so we can function and get through life sometimes. Mm -hmm. And so when a fire is going on, you just assume it's just a fire. But like just a fire is a big deal. Yeah. I had a friend. I have a friend of mine who's like they're living in a hotel right now because of their a fire burned down their home. That's a lot <laughs> to take in. That's not yeah. just a fire. And so then for some reason, when you toss zombies in the mix, it actually makes it frightening again. And I like feeling that way. And so I loved how it did that. One of my favorite shots in the beginning is um, Sok Woo and his daughter are driving to the train station and they get stopped because these fire car or fire trucks are just blaring down the road. And you get this really great wide shot that I wish it lingered on where you got to see all of these cars going by that are just emergency vehicles. And, you know, as the audience, oh, man, it's happening. But the yeah. characters don't know. And then there's just like snow, but then it's not snow, it's ash. And all of these things, I'm like, this is great because you just don't when you when you convince yourself to be the characters in those moments, you're like, I just don't I don't know what's going on. 
but I know what's going on. It's that it's that perfect dramatic irony that I think zombie movies get just right. I thought the violence and the terrifying action sequences and the zombies having these absurdly mangled bodies was great. The way these characters flip around and and they just had like the zombies just had the one track mind of I need to first stand up and then I need to bite something. I thought yeah. that was great that like there's like a scene where like a, a zombie just like is on its back or like and like it just flips in such a strange way and i was like yeah if i saw that i'll just die (laughs) yeah it's horrifying man it's it's completely terrifying it's like if if it could do that to get up i can't i can't run fast enough to get away there's no way (laughs) um so i so i love that and uh because i don't know zombies are just zombies but like how I can see someone interpret zombies, I always enjoy that. It's like colors are always the same, but how a painter uses colors is is great. So zombies are that's that a good too. metaphor, and, yeah. So um, and zombies like red too. So how you can make red freaky again? I like that. And then lastly, I thought this movie did a good good job of sort of um, you know, calling back to classic zombie horror. Like the Romero trilogy is very much constant metaphors uh, for something, and like you know, uh, the initial film is very much about well we we're, we're all tired of it but man is the real monster i mean man is the real zombies they eat each other they don't trust each other and that's what happens and then you know he has his big mall movie where it's like zombies are very consumer and eating and so the whole film's set in a mall because it's you know, so it, i like that this movie kind of did that with classism and, and a little bit of capitalism it's very it's very subtext it's the good use of subtext where if you watch it and didn't pick up on this you're gonna have a good time but if you do pick up on it it's gonna be a lot more enjoyable and it just had this there's the, the movie is a constant change in di- dynamic status i mean not only is the train traveling to a place that's supposed to be safe uh, or you believe is safe but there's sort of this 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 point in the movie where characters are moving forward in the train cars because the back of the cars are where the zombies are and so you have this forward progression on something that's always moving forward and a lot of that fit that metaphor to me and that just that just stimulated my brain in a way that zombies don't, but zombies give me the opportunity. So I got to enjoy my big, violent, fear, fear-filled fear movie and my thought-provoking movie at the same time in such a way that just – I just loved it. So, yeah, I, I am so glad we, we're covering this here. I'm so glad that well, – I hope people listening are like, well, I got to go watch the movie now. And you can. I think it's on Prime. That's how I watched it at least, so – yeah, just loved it. Just loved this movie. The only thing I was thinking of is as you were describing kind of the opening sequence of it, it made me think of that line that Joker says in Dark Knight, how it's like, you know, a bomb goes off and kills soldiers overseas. No one bats an eye. But if someone like shoots up a building or something like that, then everyone loses their mind. And I'm like, yeah, yeah, that's kind of how it is. We, we've we accepted we come to ex- we've come to accept certain tragedies as just everyday occurrences, right? But then there's things that are out of the ordinary that we don't. So yeah, there, I mean, there's even this one YouTube video by Gus Johnson that's really it's so short, it's so great, where it's called something like the news that keeps happening every day, and it's <laughs> Gus Johnson picks up a newspaper and then it's just a, like a loose leaf paper on top that just says more news that is just absolutely groundbreaking that in any other year would cover be covered for months but is only covered today Hmm. and then like i guess his girlfriend or wife walks by and is like hey what's in the newspaper today and he looks up and he kind of looks tired size it goes i i already forgot (laughs) it's just (laughs) like there's almost like this awareness of like even this year like there's so much stuff going on that you kind of just 
you either have to take seriously and as Christians go to the Lord and trust that he is in control, but also respond to it and take seriously, or for your own sake, you just got to forget <laughs> and you got to yeah. keep functioning. And I think zombies do a good job of that because, I mean, I mean, think of it this way. In other movies or even in games we've played, you always get the scene where a character's friend becomes a zombie. And now they're like, do I kill this zombie? But it's my friend. And so the zombie pandemic hits you different because now it's affecting your circle or your your area. And a lot of tragedy doesn't. I mean, Beirut was in the news in the US news for like a week or two because of the, the explosion that they had. Mm -hmm. And then like, that was it here in the West, in the West. Because I mean, what can you do? I mean, I can send funds over to to researched programs that we know are going to to honor the money that we send over to, to help uh, people who have lost their homes or family. But I, I'm, I live in a suburban town. The things I can do most that will have value are probably going out and running a food shelter or working in um, with animals and stuff like that. So it's, it's finding where in your circle you can actually help before your best friend turns into a zombie. So I don't know. It is fascinating how, how horror and zombie movies can help us uh, kind of think about the things that are important. So take that listener as a little me metaphor for why you should watch horror movies. Uh, they help you kind of close in on what's important. Unless it's against your conscience, then do not watch horror movies. That is not what I'm saying. <laughs> so now we're going to head into our trivia section. I figure we pretty much covered everything we could. Um, in the general uh, no spoiler section, and man, I thought that was pretty good. Basically, if you wanna, if you 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 wanna go into this movie blind, that's the you got it right there. But you can also stick around and catch some trivia. We never cover spoilers and trivia, but immediately after our trivia section, we are gonna go right into spoilers and talk a lot more of the man, a lot more of the nuanced stuff in this movie. Um, we're gonna talk into just a lot of really good stuff that Train to Busan has to offer, but. As stated, the trivia section, no spoilers, so let's get into it. The film, Train to Busan, premiered as a midnight screening selection for the 2016 Cannes Film Festival in May of 2016, which is pretty cool. Um, it's always neat to see horror movies, which I guess a lot of horror movies show at Cannes, but it's always neat to see uh, just a good horror movie get some love, so that's pretty neat. I could not imagine watching this movie at midnight. Uh, <laughs> no. <laughs> you know, I, I caught a screening of Stalker, which is an Andre Tarkovsky movie uh -huh. at midnight, and I just didn't realize the runtime was like two hours and 40 minutes. So I did not get home oh at a good gosh. time. And it's a slow movie. So like I was fighting sleep the whole I love the movie, but I was fighting sleep the whole time. So Golly. that was <laughs> quite the movie. I was thinking more of a this will be a very short trivia of my own life. Me and my wife, we went we were on a date. This was around Halloween. We went and saw some horror movie. I can't remember what it was, but we would, this was when I was in seminary. So we got back from it and we were walking around campus and it was pitch black out. I mean, it was like probably 10 o'clock at night, almost <laughs> 11. And I leaned down to tie my shoes, look back up and, and my wife had stopped walking. and was just looking down the walkway and I'm like, what, what's going on? And there's a dark hooded figure standing underneath a, a light post on the seminary campus. I'm like, we're dead. We're so dead. <laughs> This is this is one of the monsters from the movie that we just watched. We are so dead. But we walked by and it was actually one of our friends. And Even worse. It is worse. <laughs> but no, we walked by and he said hi and I, I jumped a little bit. So I'm very jittery. I'm very awesome. jittery. 
But on to the next bit of trivia here. Train to Busan's Homeland Success has landed it as the sixth highest grossing domestic film of all time in South Korea. Nice. Whew. There's a reason for that. Yeah. Uh, it also was the first Korean film of 2016, its release year, to record over 10 million theater attendance. Golly. Yeah. That movie's so good. That's a lot of That's people a lot to catch of people. a movie, especially a zombie movie. Oh, it's so good. Consequently, it became the first South Korean film to cross the $1 million mark at the Singapore box office. It was exceedingly well-received in India and also landed on the, I'm probably going to butcher this name, Jeanette Katsoulis of the New York Times critic pick for the year. And also, fun fact, Edgar Wright, director of Baby Driver, another fantastic movie, and everyone's other favorite zombie movie, Shaun of the Dead, once tweeted out about Train to Busan with a glowing recommendation stating it was the best zombie movie he had ever or he had seen in forever. Uh, Train to Busan inevitably grossed $93.1 million worldwide, which is pretty great for a non-Western film to make. Yeah, it's crazy to think, like, because I remember, I think it was like 2017 or 18 when Train to Busan was getting a lot of Western love, and I remember getting recommended by a coworker to check it out. And I'm so sorry. I slept on it for two more years. I'm sorry. But, <laughs> <laughs> but like, but yeah, it was, I remember even on social media, I was getting a lot of recommended. There was like, I think a Philip DeFranco where he like mentioned it uh, back, back when people watch Philip DeFranco for their news. But like he mentioned it and said like, this is a great movie. So like it was, this is, this movie is like weirdly popular i i mean not weirdly because it's a really accessible movie you just have to get over that one inch barrier you just gotta man you just gotta watch it yeah so it's pretty cool but yeah we also have um yeah there, there's like an anime soft prequel to train to be called soul station or soul yuk in south korean in which a father is looking for the runaway daughter as the zombie outbreak begins i say soft prequel as the film is marketed as a prequel but apparently has nothing to do with the events of train to be apart from being set in the same world. Also, the anime film was released less than the month after the film was initially released. So huh. that's kind of like a quick, I mean, that's not, that's not abnormal when I think about if a movie, if the movie version of an anime film comes out, there's like a series that'll be released and it's just the movie, but longer. And the whole point is like, they just create more properties or, or they like basically like gamble that this could become a franchise. And if it does, we want to make sure there's already enough products for people to check out. But, I mean, mm -hmm. we also read that the director was an anime director, so it makes sense that he would he would have an anime film along with Train to Busan. True that. Maybe that's why I like this movie so much, because I'm into anime as well. Yeah. Anyway, next fun fact. With such success, Train to Busan was inevitably going to garner sequel talk. Writer-director Yeon Sang-ho was quick to refute any speculation that there would ever be a sequel to Train to Busan, but three years later... News of another live-action film set within the universe of Train to Busan, written and directed by Yan Sang-ho. And again, I'm, I apologize if I'm butchering these people's names. I, I think we're getting it pretty good. Words are hard, okay? Yes. Titled Peninsula <laughs> would be releasing. The film is in theaters right now titled Train to Busan Presents Peninsula, as here in the States, people only really know about the first film, and not that the director is building a series of stories within the same universe. Also, this film is very loosely connected to Train to Busan. We've covered the trailer for, I guess you guys have covered the trailer. I, this is my first time talking about it. Uh, <laughs> you guys talk, If you guys want to hear about Peninsula, uh, Melvin and Daniel. Yeah, Dan was on that one. Dan, yeah. Melvin and Daniel uh, talked about Peninsula. You guys can go check that out on a previous episode of Trailer Talk. Uh, the film 
looks like Escape from New York, but with zombies, and it looks absolutely bonkers. That sounds bonkers, but I am here for it. I am looking that up. (laughs) In other words, it's a less serious tone to the dramatic and intensely horrific atmosphere of Train to Busan, but probably just as awesome. Yeah, there were we we were marveling about how the trailer has so many shots of cars running over mass amounts of zombies. It was weird. But, but it's like and it's like you watch the trailer and you're like, this is very different to Train to Busan, which is so so it takes itself so seriously. So it's just yeah. like Yeah. There's even like a wrestling pit or something. They're like in like a like a sewage wrestling pit and like zombies are released in there and they have to fight them, and you're like, This is this is different. <laughs> it, so. it's, it, it sounds literally like Dead Rising if it was a movie. Yes. Or maybe yeah, Dead Rising 2. Dead Rising 2 was the one that had the wrestling uh, thing with zombies. That's right. They have the show. There's like a show yeah. and there's activists that are against the show. I like yeah. Dead Rising 2. I know some it's people cool don't, but I think Dead Rising 1 and 2, they are solid games. Yep. Lastly, this is one of the only zombie films uh, that seems to have the word zombie in it, albeit mentioned in an online forum on somebody's phone. But... I can't really think of any other zombie movies I've seen where they just say zombie. I don't even, I think like walking dead obviously calls them walkers because that's the thing. 28 days later, they don't say it. I I can't remember what they call it in that. The left for dead, the game. I don't think they, no, maybe they say zombies. I can't remember. Yeah, I think they do. There's one, one line where a character says it, but then like other video games or properties, they just, they come up with their name. Is, is yeah. it like a copyright? I don't know. Are there any other zombies, like properties that have the word zombie in it, Logan? I mean, the only thing I can think of is Zombieland, but yeah, apart from that, I think, yeah, that's right. Apart from that, I can't, because like, I mean, you mentioned games and like Days Gone calls their zombies freakers. And I'm like, that is the dumbest thing you could call these things. <laughs> like, call them, just some... call them gamers. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Look at all Got these em. gamers. <laughs> Look at all these gamers coming after you. <laughs> You, instead of like you know in Left 4 Dead oh, you have a man. bile bomb you just sh- throw like a Mountain Dew can <laughs> that'd be great <laughs> it's making me think I just watched uh, this is I don't know how appropriate this is but there's a YouTuber on YouTube and his name is Nakey Jakey he's not naked in his videos I just That's it just right. rhymes yeah. and he did put a video up recently talking about The Last of Us Part 2 and Naughty Dog and their gameplay I watched and stuff. it yesterday Yep, that was the first thing I did in the morning. It's a good video, but he like makes fun of the I can't remember what zombie it is in that game, but it's like a bloater or something. No, it's the one that like explodes with the gas that comes out. Oh, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Because he was making a joke about how they send like there was a in the story they send a pregnant woman out to do a mission, yes. even though they're part of like a commune. So there's obviously not pregnant women that could go out and he's like have you ever seen one of these things and he shows a shot of like the monster and you're yeah. like do you think a pregnant woman could kill that <laughs> yeah like, yeah that was great <laughs> oh what a train wreck of a game that was but we won't get into that on here that's too funny oh man that's that's her teaser to get to go over and listen to their episode on last of us to uh, part two so everybody go listen to the reform gamers they're great do it do it <laughs> We will bring value to your life and uh, make you laugh and make you feel better about slipping up on words. But speaking of words and zombies, I can't think I really can't think of anything else aside from that. It's been so long since I've watched one of the Romero films on zombies that I can't recall if he if they do. I want to say Night of the Living Dead. They do at some point, but I can't remember. Yeah, I'm trying to think back to that one. I have not watched that one in a long time. I'm like thinking of record 
there's a Spanish zombie movie record that I love. And I don't think they mentioned zombies in it or even record two, but those zombies are very different to the typical viral zombies. Yeah. So there you go. Train to Busan, make a letterbox list called zombie movies that actually use the Z word. And, uh, you can add that to the list and compare it to the one, a zombie list called zombie movies that use the F word. And you'll find that plenty of movies <laughs> that have zombies use the F word, but not the Z word. I guess that's more taboo. I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> oh man. So yeah, there you go. That's our trivia section. I thought I, I loved looking up this trivia stuff and, and compiling it. I think it's really interesting and it, and it gives some good credence to like the popularity of train to Busan that like, even in its home country, like this, this took over and was just killing it in Asia. So that's pretty great. Um, but yeah, we're going to go into our in-depth discussion, which is all spoilers. Uh, well, not all of it, but we are definitely going to be just sharing spoilers because sometimes you just got to get into some good stuff. So if you are still listening, we're giving you some time as I just run my mouth to pause the show, jump over to another podcast. You could also check out other shows on um, Cinematic Doctrine or go on over to the Reform Gamers and check out those episodes with Pastor Deustin talking about Doom or check out that episode on Last of Us Part 2. But uh, if you're going to stick around, we're going to assume you've either seen the movie or you don't care about spoilers. So, yeah, we're going to get into spoilers now. So, yeah, I I, I think when I stepped away this movie, I, I had a lot of really interesting thoughts. I remember even pausing it to go to the bathroom and I just said to Kat, I was like, oh, yeah, we're going to have a lot of good stuff to talk about here. And I think like it really comes down to like main theme or thesis of that every story has. And I feel like really, and, and usually that's, that's stated really early on in a movie or a book or whatever. And then as the story progresses, that theme or thesis is either clarified by the story or deconstructed by it. In this case, I felt Train to Busan's theme was a line delivered by Siok Wu in which he says to his daughter, something along the lines of don't ever stop something, always finish it, always move forward kind of thing. Mm hmm. And the film has this constant progression throughout it. There's this train to Busan, which is not only logistically where our characters want to go, but is promised to be a safe place for them to go during the zombie outbreak. And we also have these characters at one point in the movie having to travel through a numbered series of cars uh, because there's zombies in the back and they need to move forward. But also there are characters stuck between zombie cars in bathrooms that they need to save. And so they're moving closer to the conductor. And after that, they have to move forward to a cabin that's actually safe. And each cabin is an increased number and closer to the conductor and also to the rich man who riles everyone up and rejects our heroes from entering the train car. So not only that, after they enter, Siakwu punches the man who then yells, he punched me, he's violent, he's infected, even though he isn't. He's just dissing out some percussive justice, which always feels good when you have the scummy character in a movie. Um, Logan, I'm sure that made you feel really good watching Siakwu just lay one on the kisser. Mm. Um, that was great. He should have kept going, to be honest. Just, yeah, I wouldn't have mind that. I'd be like, yeah. <laughs> but um, nonetheless, our heroes are told to leave the cabin and go to a section between some other cabins. It's really cramped, uncomfortable, and in the end, safer because at some point, zombies do break into the rich man's cabin and kill everyone except the rich man. You get this really great slow-mo shot of the, just all of them being eaten, by the way, and it's just, it's like, and I think they put like some sort of like introspective music on it. So it's actually quite like moving as, as mm -hmm. it is like harrowing. It's, it's really great. It's a good shot. It's also really freaking scary. <laughs> yep. Especially when the zombies are jumping over someone else to go get someone else. It's like, Oh my gosh, they can jump now. Yeah. There was like a zombie standing on the, on the, the seat, but like the head of the seats too. So it like, you just get this like image of like how, 
how aggressive they are to getting to you. It was really great. Nothing can stand in their way between their teeth and your neck. It's awesome. But uh, point is both in the general premise of the movie and the, the, and the subtle classism within it. And even some capitalistic criticism present in the beginning of the film, uh, where a lower class farmer laments that his animals keep dying from like leaked gases and radiation from this big company that's nearby. We also learned that the protagonist, Siak Wu, had been a fund manager for the company, which I assume is the same one in the beginning, that basically started the virus. In other words, while working on his job and procuring funds to help promote this company and fund the projects from this company, he learns that he was a contributor to the ultimate failure that caused this virus to to basically get out which then, of course, led to the death of millions in South Korea and the death of so many people that he's been trying to survive with. There's this wonderful scene in the movie where he gets a phone call from one of the surviving co-workers that he's been communicating with. That's actually the same co-worker mm. he learns that Busan's safe and all this stuff. It's really great. But he was somebody he worked with on the fund management stuff. And he's asked by this co-worker if the two of them were responsible for the zombie outbreak. Siakwu comforts his co-worker and says, you are not responsible. He says it to him, and it's very clear he's saying you. So he's not you know, acquitting himself, but he says, he says this and the coworker just hangs up. Then we watch Shiakwu wash blood off his hands, symbolizing that he is very aware of the blood on his hands and he breaks down weeping. And all of this is in contrast to how our characters are having to learn to be nice, which is a really interesting subplot. But basically Shiakwu's daughter has so many lines just about being kind and decent to other people, despite the zombie outbreak. She even interacts with the rich man who outright says it's better to take care of oneself, to which she bluntly states and garnered some laughter from me and my wife. My mom says only bad people say that. <laughs> so awesome. <laughs> was, I loved it. It was great. It was like, I want that confidence. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, this, of course, returns when she laments to her dad that he's only cared about himself. And that's why mom left him, which was just like, ouch. Heartbreaking. Yeah. But in turn, you basically see what's being said, which is basically that she realizes the implication that her dad, Siakwu, is a bad person because all he does is care about himself. And this culminates at the end when Siakwu does a noble act to save his daughter and a pregnant woman. He's been bitten, fights off a zombie, and then has to separate himself from his daughter in what is just the most heart-wrenching thing I've seen this year. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you just hear her, his daughter just like weeping and wailing as this somber piano music is playing and Siakwu is just crying because he's like, I have to be away from my daughter who I promised I would never leave just as he's like basically had this growth from I only care about my work to I could have been with my daughter and loved her the right way. Oh man, it is tough. Logan, were you were was the waterworks pouring down or was I the only one? So the first time I watched it with me and my wife, we were both crying at that scene because you you're treated to not only the somber piano music, but you have this thing, which is a kind of a common mantra you hear, like when people are about to die, they see their whole life flash before their yeah. eyes. Yeah, yeah. And so you see him going from uh, when his daughter was born to later in life, and you see that flashing before his eyes, and it cuts from the flashback to him smiling and kind of like laughing at just the memories of it. And it's like, it it is so painfully sad that in a way, because we have been with this character the entire movie we feel exactly like his daughter does because we're like, you guys have finally reached a point where you guys are together. And in a weird way, it's ironic that um, the main character whose name I keep forgetting. Siakwu. Siakwu. He he has that line at the beginning where he says, don't like, don't stop things that you start, carry them out to the right. beginning. Right. And it's ironic that he says that because in a way 
he stopped being a parent at some point and started devoting more of his life to work. Right. And so you see that kind of come full circle at the end where he gets the drive, the, the determination to continue what he started and being a father first. And it's uh, through a series of unfortunate events, it stopped again, but not through, it's not necessarily his fault at that point. It's not right. necessarily something that he chose to do. He was trying to fulfill that in protecting his daughter, but also the, uh, the woman who, the, the pregnant woman who uh, he is now in charge of taking care of because of her husband. Because the best character died. <laughs> Dude, he was an awesome character. Was I great. loved him. I'm just going to punch a zombie in the mouth. <laughs> it's so awesome. <laughs> it's so like when I saw that scene, right? And this might be getting a little too far into the weeds on some other topic, but just that <laughs> scene where those three characters are going through and fight. And I'm like, this is my guy. Like, yeah. I love this guy. Oh, man. It's such a good scene. Such a good scene. And and that's why I think this movie does does a really good job at building these story arcs with these characters is because they get you invested. I think every single character with the exception of the rich dude, who's a total jerk bag and deserved every bit of what he got <laughs> all the characters I felt for, I, I felt bad to some degree and understood them as a person. And oh, it's, it's such good writing. It is. It's such great good stuff. Yeah. And like, I, I think like what's great too, even about that scene when he's thinking about his daughter is you get it. They basically make it look dreamlike. He's wearing like a white robe. His daughter's in white cloth. The entire background is like a shimmering white. And personally thinking of just the film's kind of sense of like classism, criticism, some some anti-Kappa metaphors here. And ultimately this film talking about the value of human life, which most horror, good horror movies do. It all made me kind of think of like Train to Busan as a movie that's like chasing or searching for heaven, that kind of narrative. Mm. And when we see Siak Wu smiling as a zombie as he thinks of his daughter, and I couldn't help but think that like Yon Sang Ho, the writer and director of this film, was actually saying heaven is like a newborn baby. Like this mm. idea that like this, this, this pure elation you have of just having a child and being like, this is new life. This is wonderful. And and it just kind of like in contrast of like like I, I love that you kind of just described that like he says never start something that you're not going to finish and the whole thing is like he's had this child and he's just not not finishing the job of being a good parent it kind of made me think a bit of like Matthew six where Jesus is and and which Matthew six isn't really about parenting but it's so it's about like kind of like this contrast of like works righteousness versus you know actually honoring God. And Jesus is speaking about doing a myriad of good acts in secret, which is in contrast to like the hypocrites of the synagogue he, he gets into. You know, Jesus talks about like when you provide for the needy, do it in secret. Why? So you don't su support the needy for your own vainglory. You're not just like, look at how many people I've <laughs> I've supported. You don't you don't do that. You don't exploit those who are in need for your own gain. When you pray for your own needs and the needs of others, or just to praise God, do it in secret, because if you, you'd want to have faith that the Lord already knows what you need and just don't pray wordy and arduous prayers that make you look holier than thou or look like I praise the Lord more. Like when you fast, take care that you don't look like you're fasting so that the Lord will see and reward you privately. Otherwise, you if you look like you're fasting, which is tired and sad and 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 lethargic, you're basically like 
you look like you're you're sacrificing so much for the Lord, and other people can see it, so it builds up a vainglory. And then you're also kind of gaining the assistance from those around you, as opposed to trusting that the Lord will ultimately reward you, as opposed to man. And all of this caps off in the passage with basically like build up treasures in heaven, don't build up treasures in earth on earth. And he uses this metaphor of like the eye is the lamp of the body. If your eyes are good, then the body will fill up with light. If the eye is bad, it'll be filled with darkness. And so think of it in this way, like the lamp you use to see. So what are your eyes set upon? What are your goals? What constitutes success? If these goals or forms of success are bad or are gained by bad means, then you're filled with darkness and you have set your gaze not on the light, but on the darkness and that within it. And that kind of is like, you know, their goal is going train to Busan. Their goal is getting to Busan. Their goal is getting to this place that's better. And you're basically watching how are these people getting to it? And the contrast is like the rich man is getting to it by lying, by exploiting other people, by slander, by all these things that are terrible. It's really crazy. And then even Siok Wu, in some cases early on, is doing not like bad things, but does morally amb- ambiguous things that like you know are bad, but they're not nearly as, as overt as the rich man. But secondly, the passage in Matthew 6 culminates with like, do not worry. So first off, if God tells you not to worry, you just you should just stop worrying. You just start there. If God says it, you should do it. But Christ's wonderful condescension is that he then explains what he means by don't worry. And he talks about like, you know, the Christian should not worry because God knows what the Christian needs. And if the Christian loves God, seeks God, and has faith in God, God will provide and more. Jesus compares man to the birds of the air and how they do not sow crops or store away in barns, yet God provides for them. How much more our Heavenly Father will provide for his children if he's already providing for the birds? Jesus also compares man to the wildflowers of the earth and in his phraseology almost entirely targets the vain pursuit of beauty and like self, like vanity, that kind of thing. And he makes mention of Solomon, a man so outwardly beautiful and materialistically rich from the Lord, of course, that he would blow people's mind. I mean, what is it like a queen? Is it the queen of Egypt visits him and, and basically says, I had heard of your glory, but only now that I see you, I actually understand. I can't remember, but it's like, it's, it's a pretty crazy thing to read. But then he borderline belittles Solomon's presence and richness by saying like, look at how beautiful flower is. <laughs> it's like <it's> crazy, <laughs> uh, which is true. If you, if People kind of just look past wildflowers or even just roses and stuff because it's like you just see it every day. But like if you really see it, it's like, man, this stuff is God's creation is great. And so to kind of end my soliloquy here, like what does this have to do with Train to Busan? What does Matthew 6 have to do with that? Well, like I would argue that since there is definitely some classism and capitalistic visuals and metaphors and narrative tools within the movie, which always push towards moving up a ladder. And that it has this searching for heaven kind of value, which is always a moving up a ladder kind of narrative structure. And it somewhat deconstructs those systems by glorifying the value of human life, the joy of new life, and somewhat emphasizing a heaven is like a newborn baby, or more frankly, stop moving forward, look back and see that heaven can be enjoyed uh, sort of aesthetic. I I can totally see parallels between Train to Busan's message and and Matthew 6. Of course, they are not 100% the same. Although the Christian does look back to see the access to the Father present by the life, death, and resurrection of Jesus Christ, and in that sense, we can enjoy certain aspects of heaven now in the age we live in, we also know that it's not enough to simply stop moving forward and just look at the cross. We have to keep doing that, and you have to do it daily. And when you really start fighting sin, you realize how much you do it each day. 
But we are also called to the Great Commission of Christ to evangelize, make disciples, and baptize them in the name of Christ, which is very much a forward momentum act. And that's very different to the forms of classism that are built on haves and haves nots, as the Christian will have all they need and more in Christ. It's, almost di- it's also very different to capitalism in that the Christian has no need to gain more security and finances or to store more goods to survive or seek the glory of other men for their own sake. Why? Because the Christian already has the Father, and if the Christian has the Father, what more does the Christian need? Father knows what they need. He's going to provide. So like with all this in, in mind, Logan, I'm really curious to, about what you think about like some of the subtext about classism and capitalism, human value, whether or not you think my Matthew 6 comparison is valid <laughs> at all, because I, I feel like some people listen to the show and they're like, Melvin, what are you what are you doing? <laughs> How are you making these connections? It's like, I don't know. I just, I thought of it. So I ran with it and I'm on a <laughs> deadline. So I got to use something. <laughs> uh, but yeah. What do you feel like there might be another passage thematically that resonates with this film or just, am I, am I just totally off base here? No, I think your use there is really good. And I think it just lends to really how deep this movie is in a lot of ways. And it, there's just a lot of things that, you can learn from this movie that at first glance, you wouldn't think you would because it's a zombie movie. What do you expect to learn from a zombie movie? (laughs) Yeah, that's right. But it's interesting how, you know, you bring this up and how there's this, this interesting discussion of the value of life and even kind of work and working to get more and things like that. Because what's interesting, because I picked up on this the second time watching this movie that I didn't the first time that in a lot of ways, Siak Wu is the same as Yon Suk, but the difference between the two is that Siak Wu has his daughter to kind of keep him in check, whereas Yon, yeah, Yon Suk doesn't have that. So the rich and is, man and is Yon Suk the rich man? I realize I didn't say. Yeah, the name. rich man. Sorry, no, it's okay. I I should just use the descriptors of like the main character, the rich man. It makes it easier on everybody. <laughs> it does make it easier when you're talking about Ford <laughs> films. So. Yeah. <laughs> But the rich man, you see him throughout the entire movie in, in an ironic way, use other people to propel himself forward, but not he doesn't use people in the same way that everyone else is using each other to stay alive. Mm-hmm. He's using them almost as fodder, which is ironic yes. because in so doing, he's admitting he needs other people. Otherwise, he would have been dead a long, long, long time ago in the movie. And so it's ironic that he doesn't get it right whereas everybody else around him gets it like we need to stick together we need to band together to survive and in so doing the main character has this interesting journey in the movie where he is faced with the worst version of himself that he could become if he continues down this path oh yeah because of his daughter and the people that he meets along the way he realizes none of that is important especially right now what's important is I need to get my daughter to Busan. I need to get her to safety. I need to basically be her dad. And you, and you see, uh, gosh, what's that other character's name? Sangwa, the the dad, the his his wife is pregnant. Yeah, the brawler kind of guy. When they get into that uh, one cabin scene, he he makes a, a few remarks there about how the main character isn't really much of a dad. Yes, he also has a great line where when the daughter says that uh, his dad, her her dad Sakwu is a fund manager. He he retorts with a joke, basically saying, "Ah, so he's really well versed in treating people like they're useless." Mm-hmm. <laughs> and yeah. I love like your comparison to the like Suk Yu is faced with the rich man who is 
who is like him, but worse. Like they both treat people like they're worthless initially. And then as the film, of course, goes forward, Siok Wu softens and, and actually realizes people are valuable and, and, and stuff like that. That's great. Oh, man. Yeah. I didn't even think of that. Dude, you're on fire, dude. Well, I mean, that's the thing. That was good. I didn't catch that the first time I watched it, but watching it again, I'm like, dude, it is so apparent right now that that this the main bad guy is what the main character could become Yes, had he ignored everybody else around him. And so I think it lends credibility to even the verse of iron sharpening iron of how we as Christians need to live in community. And when people call us out when we're not acting Christ-like or we're acting out of accord with our unity, we need to pay attention. Otherwise, we could easily become that rich man. And what's interesting about this rich man is anytime you see him on the screen, apart from him using people as fodder, and this might be reaching a little too far, but I think he could almost be a metaphor or allegory. I can't really know what the, the proper term is of of Satan because he corrupts everyone around him and he yeah. doesn't really care about anyone. He only cares about himself, which you would think people would catch on to that, that this guy is only trying to further his own agenda and he's going exactly. to use me to do, but they never picked up on it, which is very tragic, but he always is corrupting people around him. Ephesians 429 says, let no corrupting talk come out of your mouths. Only such as is good for building up as fits the occasion. And this guy does the exact opposite of that every single time. It's like what you brought up when the main character punches him. He's like, Oh, he's infected. Right. Everyone on the cart can see the main character isn't infected. Right. But because they're so ruled by fear and they have propped this guy up as their leader, I guess they're like, yeah, no, get off our train, get, get into the, the vestibule or whatever the in-between card is called. Yeah. And this guy just, he only exists in this movie to cause further destruction. And in a way, is way worse than the zombies are because of he he only exists to cause disruption and division. And what's tragic about this character is I think at the end of the movie, when the main character, the last remaining characters are left, they get on the final train to go to Busan. You see that he's infected, mm -hmm. but you see him start talking about his mother all of a sudden. And he's like, I need to get to Busan to see my mother. And it's like, yeah, bruh, it's too late for you. Right. Like it is too late for you to start this path of redemption and repent and repentance that the main character started an hour ago in the film. And what a good image of like it is so important for the Christian to bear fruit because the fruit helps as evidence of your redeemed nature. Yeah. And it because the rich man has been lying and has been basically ideologically infecting ah he's like a zombie ah ideologically <laughs> infecting everybody and and just poisoning everybody to just be wrong and hateful and exploiting them you don't even know if like his thing about his mom is true yeah like is it real like i don't know because he hasn't shown that he ever knows how to speak right and good and honest to people to the point that like he could actually really be trying to get to his mom for something like maybe she was like sick or dying and he's trying to get there but like there is no fruit good fruit hanging off of the vine that he, is him that would evidence that, that he's telling the truth yeah there's nothing like the entire i bet i could watch it again and like if i were to do like every line he has 
is it good or bad? Or they would all be bad, <laughs> all of them. Yeah. And then that one is like a question mark because you just, I don't know. <laughs> I have no idea. Well, you've known that like it's clear that he's a he's a manipulator. He has been the yes. entire movie. And so it leads me to think that he's either lying or even if he is finally realizing there's someone else that I need to take care of and live for and do good by, it's too late. Because by then he's already turned. Right. You know, it, it's it's a good message of it's one of those things where, you know, you really got to think of yourself in regards to work and how much of that is really worth the extra hours, so to speak. And I think in the end, the main character learns that the most important thing in life is his daughter and taking care of her and being there for her. Whereas the bad, the bad guy, so to speak, doesn't seem to get it. And I think it's a cautionary tale in a few ways that we need each other. You know, you watch shows like Walking Dead and some other zombie movies, and they're all about, no, we can't trust anybody. We need to stick to our own and protect ourselves and not work with anybody else because you can't trust them. Whereas (laughs) this movie flips that on its head where it's like, no, you need each other. If you're going to survive, you need one another. And so it's a cautionary tale in that, especially in times of tragedy, we have to stick together. Otherwise, if we stay focused on ourselves, we're, we're going to become the thing that we're afraid of. And and where do you think like the rich man has the most is definitely the most fearful character in the entire film. He is the mm-hmm. one who expresses the most fear. Where do you where do you think that comes from? I think it's because he is afraid of losing his comfort. You know, you brought up how he's the rich man and he's storing up all these things and he's essentially so greedy that he doesn't want to lose any of that. And he's so greedy he doesn't want to lose anything, and that includes his life. Whereas you see all the other characters they're putting themselves in harm way in harm's way to protect other people because they get that. Yes. My life is valuable, but so is theirs and they're in trouble and I'm going to go and try and help. And this guy just doesn't get it. He's so self-focused that he can't, he can't look beyond himself. Yeah. You figure like the lamp of his eye is just so focused on the treasuries he's built up Mm -hmm. that he will do whatever he can to keep them. And the problem is that he has them like so fixed on bad things, or at least they could be like you said, comfort, like comfort's not bad in and of itself. But if you, if you pursue it as an idol, it's become bad. And if he's idolized comfort or riches or whatever, like is his idol, all we don't really know what the thing is, is that specifically that he's like, I need to survive for X. But the fruit that he bears and the actions we see show that he idolizes obviously something bad. I mean, this film doesn't have like a God presence per se. Um, So I can't say like any of the characters actually idolize the Lord and and are bearing good fruit. But, But basically, like he is expressing that his idol is the most important thing to the point that human life doesn't matter anymore and i think like that's why Siok Wu's transition from idolizing whatever it is that causes him to put work before his family or perhaps funding programs that might cause a viral outbreak and kill <laughs> you know that's pretty bad fruit but his transition of course is then going into putting his eyes on what matters and what's good and for this film what's good is like human life um and it's the you know the the newborn child of 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 raising a you know a family and stuff like that 
I also like that you sort of, I think you went into like, who are they surrounding? It sounded like you were talking about who are they surrounding themselves with? And like, Siok Wu has the benefit of these people around him who are kind of like just nice people. Like, uh, yeah. I forget the character's name, but Ma Dong, Ma Dong Suk is the actor who plays the big buff guy. He's just a nice guy. He has good insight. He gets a little aggressive, but like, you know, it's because he's morally in the right. <laughs> right. But because Siok Wu is surrounded with these kind and good people, it definitely helps him to change and then even his daughter who's just such a straight talker when she just says like you're a bad person and your your wife left you because you're a bad person <laughs> yeah <laughs> you're like sometimes you need somebody in your life to say like this bad thing has happened to you or this consequence has happened to you because you are a sinner and you're horrible <laughs> and that's not always the right answer i mean you could go to job and like job didn't sin to incur what happened to him. You know that from the beginning. Um, Job is described as righteous and good. And then all these bad things happen to him. And even one of his friends like is like, Job, your family died and your body's sick. You must have done something wrong to incur the <laughs> wrath of God, of which we know is not true. But sometimes it is. <laughs> sometimes it's very clear. You can go to David and you can see like the reason... I mean, they're like, what is it? Um, David, you know, goes and commits adultery, murders that person's husband, and then hides. And then when he's asked by Nathan, like, what would you do if somebody stole a ram? And and David, David's like, well, I would incur four times the amount of suffering and, and wrath. And then Nathan's like, so too, so too will the Lord do to you for your sin. And then David's like, ah, oh, no. <laughs> a lot more dramatic than that. <laughs> yeah, like one of those anime moments where David's like, oh. Yeah, yeah, you get like the, the close-in shot with the dramatic lines. <laughs> <laughs> I love that. That's such a good visual. But you go, you read forward in Kings, and there are four punishments that are incurred. So there are times when the Lord very clearly incurs punishment to help draw you away, or wrath, I should say, or like the, the consequences, because it, it gets hard to use words here because the nuance is in Christ. Um we don't incur the punishment of God because Christ took to, took it on. So I think, what is it? The appropriate way to describe it is we're putting the the, the purifying fire because we are gems to the Lord. It's oh man, somebody, some uh, seminary first year seminary student's going to light me up. But like, <laughs> don't you know, Melvin? You need to use the specific words, or else no one will understand. No, everything's predestined. The Lord will work it out. It's all right. There you go. <laughs> but point is, the rich guy. I don't think there's really a time where the rich man has somebody say something back except for the one cheerleader who's like, no, my baseball friends are okay. They're not bitten. And he says, mm -hmm. how do you know? So like he pulls a total Genesis 3 Satan thing. How do you know that you'll truly die? <laughs> it's like, okay, Satan, screw off. But... Gosh, I, I, sorry. I just really hate that rich guy. Yeah, it's fascinating. Man, this movie's so good, isn't it? It's Like it's I so said, good. it's so good. And it was even better the second time watching it through because I picked up on other things and it was just like, this movie, like I, my wife, I was telling her about, you know, we were watching this movie for the show and she was like, that's a really good movie. Do you mind watching it again this month? Because we tend to watch horror movies in October. This is what we do. And since you watched it in September, you got to watch it in October. I know. And I told her, <laughs> I was like, I really don't mind watching this a third time. This, or yeah, third time total. Because it's, 
it's really good. It's like I said, there's a reason it's one of my favorite movies and we've covered a lot of ground on uh, very, on the multiple reasons as to why that is. And it just, ah, uh, it's so good. So rich. Uh, so much to chew on. <laughs> pun intended. Oh, I didn't even Ayo. think of that. That was the spirit. <laughs> the spirit made that pun. I didn't even. <laughs> <laughs> it's kind of weird to think of the it's Holy awesome. Spirit making zombie puns. <laughs> I love it. <laughs> Oh, it just proves that God has a sense of humor. Love it. So I guess the last thing I want to ask you, uh, jumping off of the topic of our, basically our post discussion of like, you know, we need to put our treasures on heaven and know that if we see that our reward, our ultimate reward is in the new earth, we can, we could save our friends from a zombie apocalypse, sacrifice their life and know (laughs) that we, we are okay. We still have the ultimate treasure, treasure of the father. Um, but we also talked about like, you know, having good community and the fact that especially here at the end, like the benefit of Siakwa's daughter just being such a straight shooter. I loved it. She's such a good character. Helping him reorient to what is good, whereas the rich man doesn't. Logan, thinking about even just your podcast, talking about video games and talking about how video games nowadays with such such a focus on multiplayer and such a focus on connecting with your friends online, or even just like, I think like, you correct me if I'm wrong, but the big game right now is Among Us, which is just entirely yeah. about working together and, and weeding out the bad seed. What does it look like to you for Christians, especially in video games, but even beyond, to 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 surround yourself in good community so that, well, you don't turn out like the rich man in this movie? Yeah, I, I think it's important for a few different reasons. And, I, and you see this a lot when it comes to multiplayer games. You whether you're playing um, among us, I think a more apt comparison with this would be something like destiny Two, where you are with your fire team of teammates. And it's important for you guys to work together, to use your different abilities, your different skills to achieve a common goal or to get to the end of the dungeon or whatever it is. And you do that through both your unique talents and communication. When you use both in tandem with one another, you're able to protect one another and make it through to the end and defeat these forces that are trying to basically take you down. And that's one of the cool things that we've been able to build with our podcast is we have a lot of people that listen to the show, but also uh, contribute to our community that play a wide variety of games. And they're always wondering, Hey, is anyone playing among us? Hey, is anyone playing the new star Wars squadrons games? You know, I'd love to group up with some people and, uh, and just have those conversations of like, Hey uh, you know, I'm struggling with this. Would you guys mind praying for me? It's just that kind of community where, we're open with one another, but we're also coordinated on a certain objective uh, to complete or to see fulfilled, and that is the mission of Christ. And so that's uh, that's kind of how you see it played out in video games, at least in our community. And so I think it's uh, it's pretty cool. Now, unless you play Among Us, then we're all going to basically lie to each other and try to get each other <laughs> vented out of out of the space station. So you know. Logan Sus, get him, dude. Okay, fun <laughs> fact dude. about that: I was playing with some of my. I'm a youth pastor. For those of you that don't know, I was playing it with some of my students the other night, and I told them I was like, guys, I saw this guy like kill the other guy in this room. And they were all like, nah, Logan sus, get him out. And I was like, are you kidding me? It's because I'm you're the youth, youth pastor. pastor. It's because <sighs> you're the youth pastor. It always happens. The <sighs> youth pastors think they have power over teenagers. And then teenagers are like, no, if we get the opportunity to get the leg up, we're going to just. <laughs> <Yep>. <laughs> I did it. Yep. I'm sure you did <sighs> it. So it's. <laughs> oh, yeah. we did. I it's definitely awesome. did that to my youth pastor in Halo 3 back in the day. So I get oh, it's it. Awesome. Feels so good. Oh, man. Well, Logan, I just, I'm so glad you're able to save some time for me. And, uh, and for us, I think, I think, uh, people listening are really blessed to have, to hear your voice here and just share 
hear your insight uh, onto Train to Busan, and I'm sure you were just happy to watch it again. So yeah. much so, you're going to be watching it again. Probably tonight, to be honest with you. <laughs> yeah, there you go. I love it. Uh, what a good way to start October. So why don't you, um, you know, your reform gamers, tell us where people can get plugged in again. Yeah, probably the easiest way that you guys can get in touch with us is just going to our website, thereformgamers.com. On there, you have links to all of our social media accounts, Twitter, Facebook, Instagram. I think that's it. Uh, but Facebook is the biggest one. We've originally started as a Facebook group. And so you can join in over there. We have a Discord server as well if you guys are on PC or if you just prefer Discord over the other social media platforms. All that stuff, again, is on the website, thereformgamers.com. We also have episodes of our podcast on there. We have a, a team, a small team of writers that is putting out different articles and reviews each and every week. So if you need something uh, to maybe something that pikes your, piques your interest on the website, you can check those out as well, such as apparently a lot of people are curious if Christians can play Dark Souls. So we have a couple articles up on that. And uh, you can just do a search on the website of a game that interests you that, or that you're into and see if we did an episode on it or if we wrote something about it and kind of go from there. Excellent. Awesome, Logan. Thanks so much for coming on to the show. Yeah, thanks for having me. Thanks so much for checking out this episode on Train to Be Sand. And thanks so much, Logan, from the Reform Gamers for joining me on this episode of Cinematic Doctrine. Be sure to head over to the Reform Gamers and give them some love. Now, if you've seen Train to Be Sand, what did you think of it? Was this one of the greatest zombie films we've seen in the last few years, or were you having difficulty getting over that one-inch barrier? If you're listening on Cinematic Doctrine's website, let us know in the comments below or shoot us an email to cinematicdoctrine at gmail.com. If you enjoyed this episode, consider leaving a review for the podcast on your respective podcast app at the end of this episode. Unlike YouTube or Reddit, there isn't really a way to let us know how we're doing with a thumbs up or thumbs down, so the best way to leave your thoughts on the podcast is to write a review on iTunes, Podchaser, or wherever you listen. And as mentioned before, Cinematic Doctrine has a Patreon. For as little as $3 a month, you're opted into a once-a-month movie poll where you decide a movie we discuss in the podcast. You also gain access to the pre-show, a Patreon-exclusive podcast series where we casually talk movies, Christianity, and life itself. There are other unique benefits that come with supporting the podcast, so be sure to check that out at patreon.com forward slash cinematic doctrine. A special shout out to those who supported the Art House Theater tier on Patreon. Thank you so much, Mom, Dad, and Melanie. You guys are the best, and your continued monetary support is greatly appreciated. All this will be available in the show notes. Until next time, stay cool. Want some Cinematic Doctrine swag? You're in luck. We've got 3-inch Cinematic Doctrine logo stickers exclusive for Patreon supporters. Perfect for your travel mug or laptop. Head over to patreon.com forward slash cinematic doctrine, link in the show notes, and choose the independent theater tier. Doing so will net you other perks too. But let's be real, the podcast stickers are the coolest perk. So get yourself some podcast stickers by supporting on Patreon.